0: Hello. Hello. I'm Alex. I'm Val. And we are here to talk about season four, episode six. Everybody hurts. We are. Which I loved. I loved Good. this episode. I
1: love when you love episodes.
0: I just think it's such an amazing episode. So it's, it's this... better
1: than when you're bored about episodes.
0: Well, that never happens. Did. When With Christopher? Christopher. <laughs> That's like my like my no attention. And this
1: is this is another Michael Imperioli episode, so it's surprising that. Hmm. You know, you go from Christopher being so bored to this one being so excited.
0: Yeah. I mean, I love Michael Imperial. I actually, I think he's an amazing writer. And this episode, it's really, yeah. I, I just think it's like it's a really interesting case where we examine one aspect of Tony. hmm And he's kind of thrown into this situation that's kind of a standalone episode yeah like the things that happen here don't necessarily come back that much I can't actually think of
1: yeah it like anything closed, it like closes a lot of them as it opens them
0: yeah I don't know if I can think of anything that's pushed forward in the arc of season four in this episode um can you
1: no it's pretty standalone
0: yeah which is interesting and I think that what happens in that is that we really get to dive into Tony's guilt And Tony's feeling of, who is he? Is he a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Lots
1: of people in this episode say he's such a good guy. He's a great guy. Well, he's seeking it out. Yeah. I
0: mean, I think that everything that Tony does in this episode is trying to put himself in situations where people tell him what a great guy he is. And I think that it's really interesting because his way of coping with Gloria's death is that he goes inward and he questions if he's responsible for it. Yeah. And so then he acts in a very specific way where he's trying to get positive reinforcement from other people the interesting thing is that as people are brought into his orbit they actually kind of fall down even still even as he's trying to help people up be a positive force he actually really brings them down the impact that he has on Artie by quote-unquote helping him is pretty catastrophic
1: Yeah. yeah totally and we've seen him help people that way before too
0: Yeah, but I feel like never to this extent because Hmm. he's so torn up and psychologically distraught that he is in a position where he feels like the only thing he can do to remedy this depression that he has is going out of his way to help people. I was thinking about how if Artie was in this situation at any other time in the show up until this point, Tony would not help him like this. Hmm. He would not just give him $50,000 and give him 1.5% juice. It's just not something that he would... juice. I think that's what they say in the mob. Juicing it? He's ju- It's like it's like the interest. It's the juice, Val. <laughs>
1: okay. I'll trust you on that.
0: <laughs> Listen, I get a lot of loans from the mafia, so yeah. I know a lot about juice. The juice? <laughs> um, I don't think that Tony would strike that deal. I feel like he's upset that Artie, his friend, went to Ralph Cifaretto yeah. and asked him for money. And when he goes and he meets him, you know, he's saying... What am I, a toxic person? He says
1: that twice in the episode. He says that
0: twice in the episode. And I think that's like really a key line. Like he's afraid of that. Yeah. He's afraid he's a toxic person and he is a toxic person. The fact that Artie is brought into the events of Tony Soprano and borrows money from him, it actually really is toxic. It actually really does bring him down. Yeah. And that's what happens throughout the course of this entire show. Yeah. Everybody who is attached to Tony, there is this toxic element that really ends up bringing them down.
1: Well, it's interesting, like, his focus on blood, too. Like, in the past couple episodes, like, focusing on Christopher and the fact that he's blood, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, if you think about, like, I don't know, like, toxicity or whatever, like, genetics,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Like,
1: that there is this kind of, like, toxic element when it comes to blood, right? Like, things can be passed down
0: Oh, interesting. through blood
1: and, like, I don't know, like, both Chris and Aid using that needle mm-hmm. to do drugs. Like, I don't know. There's something about blood and toxicity. Well, there's yeah.
0: definitely a link between Christopher and AJ made very strongly yep. at the beginning of this episode. In fact, we see Christopher on heroin and then there's this cut to AJ and his face. Yeah. Like, right away. And the question, I think, is, well, who is AJ going to be? Yeah. And actually... At the same time, it's who will Christopher be? Will Christopher be Tony's son? Yeah. You actually see Christopher High meeting Tony in the parking lot. The last scene they have is like hugging each other as yeah. Tony basically states his plan to pass off the business in the empire to Christopher because of his blood relationship. He's essentially making him an underboss. And then we cut to AJ, who's so detached from this world. Like, all that I can interpret from that is that Christopher is more Tony Soprano's son than AJ Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that he is seeing him, him that way, and he is respecting him and passing off the business to him because he sees him as a son. Yeah. And the question is that. Well, will A.J. become somebody like Christopher, like a 'er ne'er-do-well, when they're editing between Christopher doing heroin, Is this going to be something that A.J. becomes, like, a problematic character? Will he be drawn down in the same way as Christopher? And I think one thing that was really interesting in this episode was the use of mirrors Mm -hmm. as a symbol because there's a lot of characters that we get to see reflections of. Yeah. And some characters are even straight on looking at reflections of themselves. And I think that the mirrors reflect who people actually are. Well, we in this see episode.
1: Christopher, Artie, and Tony all looking in mirrors.
0: Yes, exactly. And we see Christopher in a mirror as a junkie. Like he's yes. with this random guy. He's done yeah. the drugs. He's looking at himself. And it's really like the spitting image of a drug addict. Yeah. And I think that's what we are dealing with in internalizing who Christopher is as a person. Because he really is kind of going off the deep end right now. Yeah. And Christopher is dealing with it because he's looking in the mirror, and it's something that's out of his control. Even as he moves up in the mob and is getting these advantages and promotions that are probably beyond his wildest dreams from even a few episodes ago, he has this uphill battle because he really is becoming a junkie. Mm -hmm. So who will he become? Like, will he be the son figure of Tony Soprano who is actually capable and responsible enough to take on this business empire or is he just completely falling apart and the objective reflection that we're getting is that he's kind of falling apart and so I think that's really problematic we have well well, versus
1: Artie who we see he's like trying to portray himself as this like tough guy right yeah he's like looking at himself in the mirror being like You French frog or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. nice
0: place. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) which he repeats like verbatim as he gets there.
1: Yeah, I mean it's really it's a really good pair of scenes, but like that we know that's not who Artie actually is, right? Well, and it's obvious. At the end of that scene, we see him kind of like sink into a chair and just be like.
0: Yeah, and even, like, what the mirror is reflecting is somebody who's not at ease in that role. Yeah. Like, he's this bumbling character. He's not really capable of doing this. And it's made very obvious through the reflection. Yeah. And the shot that we get shows us that. Totally. We can see it and he can see it. Also, interestingly, and I'll talk about this very briefly after I go through the three examples of mirrors, but he's wearing all black Mm -hmm. right there. And actually, there's a lot of really intentional usage of characters wearing all black in this kind of like tough guy role. Yep, yep. And that's something we've talked about a lot. You know, you often see like Furio going as an enforcer wearing all black, but like Artie is kind of taking on that role. And actually, there's a lot of people wearing all black earlier, like when even when he's with Tony earlier in the scene where tony first says am i a toxic person and he offers the money tony comes in wearing all black and there's actually a scene where Artie puts on a black shirt near right. the end of it
1: right, right, right and he's
0: kind of drawn into this orbit
1: yeah well and in the end it is furio wearing all black who goes to take care of the french guy
0: yeah exactly yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's so many examples. Even the, the suit that Brian gets at the end is like so jet black, we can't even see it. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's like, there's all these things that Tony's bringing. In his first session with Dr. Melfi, he's wearing all black.
1: Yes. And I think she's wearing beige.
0: Yeah. And they've established this a lot before and they've played with who's wearing white, who's wearing black. In fact, Artie is a character where they've really played with the like, basic symbolism of whites and blacks Yeah, but it it really shows up here and we have him when he's kind of trying to become this enforcer tough guy character putting on that color yeah and also putting it on when he accepts tony's money yeah and he is completely out of his element
1: yeah no he has no he has no idea how to do this Um, and the other reflection we have is tony right like he's looking at himself and his reflection after the dream he has
0: is even another one then yeah I didn't even what? have that I had another reflection oh, so okay. I'd love to so hear so here's this.
1: the one that I have it's after his dream and he's looking at himself in the bathroom mirror and then he takes Prozac
0: that's right that's absolutely right what's the other one yeah the other one is Tony to Artie in the bathroom of Vesuvios so Artie says the oh. money's not going to be here and Tony says get your arms around it and he says have you gone to visit him and he says no he says. Well, you've got to go visit him. Like, it's so basic to him. And again, we're reinforcing box. who Tony is and we're reinforcing who Artie is. And Artie is completely incapable in this realm, in right. this domain. And Tony is, I mean, this is like beyond simple. It's like right. a joke to him. He's just like, uh, you just go there and get the money.
1: Well, then that's interesting because for both of those characters, not really for Christopher, but for both of... Both Tony and Artie, we get kind of, like, two conflicting messages there. Because, like, so, for example, like, it's, like, Artie trying to be this tough guy versus Artie, who's, like, clearly not a tough guy, versus Tony, who's, like, in control and knowledgeable in in that bathroom scene compared to the scene where he's, like, clearly super distraught and taking Prozac.
0: hmm
1: Right? Like, those are two different images of him. I mean, bo- yeah. both are probably true. Yeah but it's interesting how like it's not reflecting the same thing to them.
0: Totally, and also the connection between Artie and Tony where in the end Artie is also with pills, like the way that they're kind of like casually tossed onto the right the kind of like table next to him really reminded me of the empty Prozac containers that Tony was taking from right earlier on when he was looking at himself in the mirror. So he's Tony has kind of been responsible for bringing down Artie to where he is.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: And I think that's what he does. Melfi even comments near the she's saying, well, I'm surprised because isn't, like, usury a main part of your business? And I think that Tony is kind of confronting that a little bit and trying to avoid it by putting himself in situations where people are, are telling him what a great guy he is. Artie tells him, you're such a great guy, Tone.
1: Yeah, Brian, Brian tells, tells him. Them. Wow,
0: you're a good guy about the suits. Um there's more examples even. Yeah. Because Tony is seeking out this affirmation that he is a good guy, yeah. where really he's not.
1: Yeah. I like when Carmela tells it, like when she tells him the news of Gloria's death, right? Yeah. Which is, I forgot that it's Carmela who tells him that. And then she she perceives him lying there quietly, right? As like, he doesn't care. She's she like, calls oh, him look, Miss, Mr. Empathy Mr. Empathy over empathy. there. Right? And so, like, it is this kind of, like, depending on where your perception is, you can see different things, too. Like, she can't see or know what he's actually feeling. Yeah. Um, And in some ways, he does, like, he is, he's maybe not empathetic, but he definitely is um, distraught by this. I
0: feel like he's struggling with issues of his empathy. Mm -hmm. He wants to feel empathetic, and I think he's just, like, incapable of really engaging with those right. feelings. I think he's trying to be empathetic, but what happens is he just brings people down. Right. As far as he is.
1: Yeah. No, you're
0: Because he is a toxic person. Yeah,
1: totally. Well, I think in and in that dream sequence, there's that well, maybe we could talk about it, but the end of it is the ceiling crumbling. Yeah. Um, and like it's like getting in his drink and it's whatever. It's kind of just like uh, like you can only kind of hold up this facade for so long right like that, that it starts to crumble it's the same with Christopher it's the same with Artie right like you can't you can't hold up the facade of being something that you're not right because it will kind of like come crumbling down on you
0: interesting yeah absolutely um, I think another example of Tony getting together with somebody where well the other time that he calls himself what am I a toxic person is with when he's Janice. meeting with Janice yeah. Um, he's
1: like what I gotta have an agenda
0: I know to what meet am, with my what sister what am I a
1: toxic person yeah
0: <laughs> which we would have to believe he does have an agenda because every character in this world is essentially only acting through self-interest and yeah. always does have an agenda and it's actually a very interesting connection to the last episode to Paiomai, mm-hmm. where that was a main theme of the episode and something we talked about a lot how everybody does have an agenda and when people are interacting there's this kind of Underhanded manipulation to get what people want.
1: Yeah, no, and I think like it's interesting, like Artie saying, you know, when he when Tony comes to see him at the hospital, and he has that very like melodramatic moment, like the cobwebs are now removed, yeah. right? Like how Tony sees things twenty moves down the road mm-hmm. and positions him as this hawk, and like yeah. is said a few times, like, and then Tony repeats that back to Melfi, like yeah. being this hawk. Um, I think it's interesting to think about that in the context of our other, like, animal references that Mm -hmm. we have, right? So, like, you know, what is a hawk to a duck, for example? Right. You know, and, and comparing what that might mean.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And I think what happens in that scene that's really interesting is Artie calls out Tony, and that's when he freaks out. Yeah. Where basically he establishes that he was thinking of him as this, like very competent manipulator but a manipulator Mm -hmm. somebody who understood everything and it's it's really interesting because that's Mm -hmm. when tony freaks out because what he wants is reassurance and that's what he's doing in all these situations when he goes to see Artie, he has some really interesting lines he even says like consider i came over and i find you dead how am i supposed to Mm -hmm. feel so that's a good example for me of Tony being so incapable of feeling empathy and how everything does need to loop back to him. Yeah. His frame of reference is that everything he is the center of the world. Yeah. Which kind of reminds me of that little scene confrontation he has with Meadow this yeah. season where Meadow says, you know, you're not the center of the world, and then there's kind of a pause, and we have to kind of question that. Because for Tony, he is the center of the world. And for us as viewers watching this show, Tony kind of is the center of the world. Mm -hmm. But for Tony to go into that situation and deal with Artie's possible suicide as a question of how he would feel
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is completely devoid of empathy. And it's only when Artie kind of calls him out and says... Oh, you know, you saw this. You were manipulating it. Worst case, you got some free food. That's when Tony kind of goes nuts. And that's when his anger comes into play because all he wants is people to tell him you're a good guy, which Artie was doing. Yeah. But now that Artie's been pulled down and Artie makes the mistake of being honest with his friend, there's a big issue. Right. Because he's not reinforcing a positive image of Tony. Right. He's basically calling it as it is.
1: Well, we know that Artie has other information on Tony that's pretty damaging too right about like vesuvio and stuff yeah. like that so like i don't know why they're still friends like that's one thing i really <laughs> i don't really know how they kind of got they over go back that. a long way they go back they're high way. school friends it is interesting with artie i know we're kind of like talking about a few things at the same time but um in terms of those like two images of someone or multiple images of someone when we see him approach ralphie for the money mm-hmm. the scene is shot in this really strange way where like kind of shot like it's like a down low shot looking Mm. up at Artie, and he Mm. like kind of fills up the screen
0: right like his head is at the top
1: of the screen they have a really
0: like wide angle actually yeah and it's like shot
1: from low and then like ralphie's kind of shot from a little bit high it's like very it's there's not shots like that throughout the rest of the episode they make sure to
0: have the uh devil's logo always associated with ralphie yeah which is yeah yeah Um, Again, a very strong (laughs) devil reference, of which there are many in this show. Yeah, they really really
1: like that one. But yeah, but like Artie does come across as like, he's like pretty relaxed. He's going to this meeting, right? Like he is kind of in control when he's asking Ralphie. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm always shocked when Ralphie does anything that is like the least bit endearing. And he's, you know, he doesn't want it. He says like, if you don't pay me back, I can't hurt you. Yeah
0: which, you it's know. It's beautiful, really. It's so
1: beautiful, yeah. What a he's, great guy. He's, like, he's a great guy. I, everyone says that. <laughs> <laughs> Ralphie.
0: Yeah. Well, the thing I was thinking about in terms of the arrangement that Tony cuts with Artie is that in the end, even when he goes to the hospital and before Artie kind of unloads on him his real feelings, when we kind of sit back and reflect on the deal that's been made, Tony gets a $6,000
1: credit, credit to the restaurant yeah. and
0: he assumes the debt even though the debt was supposed to be 51,500 Tony just made money on his friend who just committed suicide mm-hmm. because he just assumed a $50,000 debt which you know he's going to get
1: yeah, well, very easily. his money already, right? Like I it, mean, there's,
0: he's going to have no problem getting that $50,000 yeah. through his enforcers in Furio. Yeah. That's a very different story. Jean-Philippe doesn't stand a chance. Like, yeah. they will find a way to get $50,000 from yeah. him. Then a $6,000 credit, he actually pocketed $4,500 more than Artie even owed him. And that's when Tony is smiling and feeling like a good guy. And mm. Artie's like, oh, it's good. Mm. And everything's kind of left to be happy. But... All the information is there. Tony just manipulated this for his own gain. And is also, you know, requiring that he's being made to feel like a good person. And he's getting that even though he's manipulating Artie and making money off of him. Right. Which is kind of wild. Yeah. I was finding it rather like when Artie is saying, how is that going to work? They've already pumped my stomach. They saw the Armagnac. The fact that he drank Armagnac and then had all these pills is like a little bit of, like, a Greek tragedy or something. It's, like, a little well, strong.
1: He, he's being pretty dramatic there. Like I said, like, that whole line, like, the cobwebs are now removed. He's such a weirdo.
0: Yeah, it's pretty strong. His
1: earring gets ripped out. Poor guy. I know. It's good. It's a, just... That was a. am glad that happened for him. <laughs>
0: it's a better look without the earring, right? Yeah,
1: I think so. But, but yeah, that... no, it is. Like, the Armagnac. I was trying to think about, like, what that kind of symbolized, this Armagnac, for them. It mm. is this, like, Italian, or I guess French. French, yeah. European, I, mean, I yeah. meant. I um european kind of thing right like they which does hold this kind of like romantic mm-hmm. notion for these characters and so i mean um, for
0: me i think artie is just seduced by the romance of being a cool business guy
1: yeah well and he loves young women
0: yeah he sure does <laughs> <laughs> so. god artie get it together i know it's interesting that they kind of cut from that scene in the hospital too where Tony is left not feeling like a good person and they cut to this dinner scene with Furio and Carmela
1: And Jessica.
0: And Jessica and Brian. Yeah. So, and um, Tony's telling this incredibly sentimental romantic story. The blue dress. The blue dress, which is interesting because actually he, Tony wears a blue shirt at the end. Yeah. And Melfi's um Therapy session, which is a little bit unusual for him. And I feel like he's just kind of trying to establish himself as being outside of those monotones of the mob. He's trying to establish himself as being associated with this color that's like a more human, emotional thing that's not in the kind of black and white world of, of the family. I
1: feel like blue is more like in the mob and like money and stuff. I don't know. The, the blue? Yeah. Well, the
0: blue is associated with finances a lot in the last two episodes. Yeah. And Pio Mai, actually, when Tony is getting financial information, I think we just talked about this, but he has this, like, very blue shirt. There's yeah. this blue dress. There's, there's a lot of, of relationship Anyways. to blue. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, I feel that, like, when Tony shows up to a therapy session and we're examining his subconscious and his psychology, and he's wearing something that is, like, a stark, rich color... That is actually an intentional decision and not something we see that often. Yeah. A lot of the time, they're these muted colors. And Mm -hmm. I think it often in this show is reflecting what he's trying to communicate or how he's trying to represent himself.
1: Yep. Oh, totally. No, he, he definitely makes choices about how he wants to be seen. Yeah. Um, he wears like, he wears actually like a variety of different clothes, Tony. Yeah. We see him like compared to other characters, we don't see everyone wearing this like real range of clothing. Totally. But we do see Tony. We see him from like very casual in his boxers, you know, like, and undershirt, um, all the way up to like wearing a fancy suit, right? So like, it's, it's quite interesting and a whole range of colors.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, the interesting thing that happens in the end of the episode is in Melfi's therapy session, he talks about how two two suicides was too much. Yeah. And he said, fuck them, basically. Yeah. And his takeaway from it is that he makes. They can go fuck themselves. They can go fuck themselves. Which is a very interesting reference to Gloria Trillo. Right. Where there was this talk about her Her fucking himself and and her being a snake and all those things that were happening in the last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is actually very like unempathetic Mm -hmm. (laughs) the Mm -hmm. fact that he can just kind of throw that back is actually like really revealing and interesting but he basically says they can go fuck themselves i made a donation in her name and he seems to be okay with just kind of moving forward from this i feel like that's where we leave the end of the episode
1: yeah i mean he's so furious with melfi earlier in the in the episode right like we we have two sessions with melfi today and the first one, you know, like he's already found out about her suicide and so he really confronts her in a really violent way. Um, she says she's devastated by Well, Gloria's she says, I give
0: my patients everything I've got and when this happens I'm devastated. Which yeah. is fascinating because that is something that Melfi can say, but Tony can't. No. Melfi gave Gloria everything that she had. Yeah. But Tony did not. Yeah. He turned his back on her. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. when she killed her- herself, He's left with feelings that Melfi would not have yeah. and should not have. Yeah. And yet Tony is still the one who's blowing up at Melfi. Yeah. And kind of like holding this against her. Yeah. So. No,
1: and then in that last scene of them together, you're right. He is kind of just like, well, whatever.
0: Like, yeah. And the cycle continues. We see yeah. Furio show up at the door of Jean-Philippe. Yeah. Yeah. And we're just back to the same shit.
1: Yeah.
0: You know. It's, it's just we're left exactly where we started, which is a very classic Sopranos
1: Yeah, and, development. and again, like, kind of why this is a standalone episode, right? Like, it does kind of – doesn't really matter. Yeah. Doesn't, like, this – like, the de- the suicide of someone who you once dated, the your friend, your best friend ostensibly yeah. committing suicide, it, like, leaves zero impact on your life in the yeah. end. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it doesn't – it doesn't make you recognize your culpability in anything. But it could.
0: And I think that's it the thing. It could. It's an opportunity for self-reflection. No, but,
1: like that's, like, that's this show, right? Like, it's like... And and now we're just back where we started. Yeah. It, like, didn't do anything, right? Yeah. Like, at all. So.
0: And it... But, I mean, the... Th- Thing is, this episode examines that area where Tony has the opportunity to change Mm -hmm. or make changes and reflect, and he does reflect, but then, yeah, it leaves nowhere.
1: Yeah, it's that big question that we've talked about before that's, like, an overarching show question, which is, Mm -hmm. like, who is Tony and can he change? Yeah. Is he Um, a good person in any way? Is Tony a good person at all?
0: And I think that, for me, this episode really is really fascinating. It's setting up what happens near the very end of the show when... Probably my favorite episode when Tony goes to Las Vegas and we'll get there in weeks. Yeah. But there's kind of this examination of Tony as not a good person.
1: Yeah.
0: And kind of leaving the show on on that note in some ways and yeah. kind of examining some of those questions. So in this episode where Michael Imperioli as a writer is really examining, well, is Tony a toxic person mm-hmm. or is he a good guy mm-hmm. like people are telling him? And Tony striving to be a good person. Yeah. I think that is a contrast to what Tony lands on in terms of his identity for himself at the end of the show.
1: Right. Right.
0: So, yeah. Also, I think,
1: also just the yeah. end of the show. There's, it, it's like a oven timer, Mhm. but it appears right. it, it's in the dream and then yes. it's in their real life. And it reminds me of the last episode. It
0: does. Yeah. There's and this I like love that. Ding. Yeah, when, yeah. The, when the cookies are ready, the bell. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which ties Tony to his subconscious and the dream.
1: Yeah. Totally. Yeah, it's a
0: really interesting scene. Uh, that, that was actually another example of somebody being so happy by what Tony was doing, by being good guy Tony. Carm saying, You've made me so happy, Tony, by signing this trust. Yeah. So clearly Tony is just doing things for the sake of making other people yeah. happy. Yeah.
1: And then Brian thinks he's a great guy because of that. And, yeah. I mean, he
0: got a sweet suit.
1: Yeah, he loves Hugo Boss.
0: It's his only vice.
1: You know Brian. (laughs) Um, What about the whole AJ storyline in this episode? I think it's really funny. Um, I don't know. I I, I struggle to kind of like integrate it with the messages of the rest of the episode. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what you think, but...
0: Seems like somewhat isolated. Like it's just like a different trajectory. Yeah,
1: Okay. I like that his friends reference, like, it's this whole thing, like, them grappling with, you know, like, AJ, AJ's friends kind of, like, teasing him in some ways about who his dad is. And, like, yeah. Like, intrigued by who his dad is. They make, like, you know, they talk about the godfather and, like, the horse head in a senator's bed, yeah. which is interesting in terms of Pio Mai. Yeah. Also, like, to reference a horse head and... They talk about, like, oh, we thought it was going to be, like, Michael Corleone's compound yeah. and guard dogs and whatever. And clearly, like, that's not AJ's life, right? And he knows that. no
0: um, And hilariously, there actually is more of a compound at his girlfriend's sure, place. Sure,
1: yeah. Her house is...
0: There actually is a gate and, like, a yeah, you know, an, an entrance. Yeah, and guards and, and, yeah.
1: and stuff like that. Um, Picassos.
0: So, late Picassos. Her Yeah, dad.
1: her dad collects late Picassos. Um... <laughs> And he's, like, kind of, like, he goes from, like, thinking he's kind of this cool guy and, like, he's sexy and, like, I think she's ready to have sex with him. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, like, talking to his friend to feeling, like, totally inadequate. Right. Right? And Like, Like he's
0: emasculated by her opulence. Yeah.
1: Which is interesting because, like, everyone has this image. It kind of goes back to, like, the mirror images and stuff like that. Like, his friends and her have this image of what... Tony Soprano's son would be like, or what mm-hmm. the Soprano home would be like, um, and the reality isn't the same as that. Yeah, you know, obviously it's still opulent, but I, I feel the like three thousand yeah. dollar statue. That's a really is, is interesting not statement. not like the Picasso yeah. stat, the Picasso paintings.
0: No, and the fact too that like Carm says, I don't even want to say how much it was. Three it thousand dollars. It was three thousand oh, yeah. dollars. Like there's something kind of <laughs> there's she lacks. Elegance, Yeah. In her need to state how much something actually was. Yeah. That actually reinforces her not as being as upper class as these other people. No. Who the Picasso, late Picasso collection is just like not even a thought. Aren't you afraid that we're going to steal these million dollar, millions of dollar Picassos? Yeah. No. No. It's just casual.
1: Yeah. But it's interesting when they go, like, so when AJ and Devin head into the city to try to have sex in Meadows' dorm room, which is, like, ew. (laughs) Yeah,
0: what the fuck, dude? (laughs) Yeah, this
1: is, like, why would that be an option for you? I I don't get it. But, like, they have that conversation, like, after they're in the South Bronx and they leave and they're, like, look at how people live, like – um, I also
0: love how that's about five blocks away from where we live and are recording this podcast right yeah, now. That's <laughs> basically where we're recording
1: that podcast. Um, but yeah, like they have this kind of you know, quote unquote, deep conversation in the in so the are all on food stamps. Yeah, no, <laughs> they just keep on having babies and they being keep in having a cycle. Babies, yeah, <laughs> it's really, you know, it really just does show like how removed that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, like, you know, and AJ, I think, sees things differently having been, like, having gone to see where Meadow works. I don't know, like, it's just mm. like this, like, like, Meadow has this deeper perspective on things now that she's away from that orbit. But AJ's still really in that orbit. And so Absolutely. he's not really able to see beyond that yet.
0: Definitely. And I think that's something that both Meadow and AJ continue to grapple with as the series unfolds. Mm -hmm. You know, how tied are they to the Sopranos orbit? And who will they be as people? Right. And even this episode is examining who will AJ be, you know, by linking him to Christopher and also bringing into question the status that he has and his family has. Yeah. And how it exists on a spectrum. And they actually are not that wealthy in a lot of ways. Yeah, what does
1: Devin's dad do? I don't
0: know. Something... Better than Tony does, I guess. Yeah. But I think that, that it's pen. also... Devin. <laughs> I think it's also like a comment on the fading importance of the mafia. Mm. Like, I think that the Michael Corleone heyday of Godfather and Godfather 2 is kind of past. And Tony has now been surpassed by these capitalists yeah. in a lot of ways where he can't keep up. And there are people who are way richer and way more important and way more powerful than yeah. he is. Yeah. Oh, totally. Even within the same community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, let alone having, like, senators in your pocket. Right. It's uh, it's just not really the case.
1: Well, he does have a senator, I guess.
0: Tony? Yeah. Zellman? Yeah. No, he's just council- an assemblyman. Oh, man. just a
1: council. Oh, assemblyman. Assembly oh, yeah. man. See he's...
0: see how much they've fallen?
1: Yeah. <laughs> but he could put a horse head in his bed.
0: AJ doesn't even have a home in Tahoe. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I just have some, some loose thoughts okay. about some different scenes in this episode. Like, what? One that I really loved is some of the choices as Tony enters Globe Motors. Globe mm-hmm. Motors. They
1: really focus on the Mercedes symbol.
0: They do. Yeah. They,
1: like, zoom in on it.
0: hmm mm. So the, some of the camera work there was really amazing, I thought. And actually, so this is an, ep- an episode directed by Steve Buscemi, written by Michael Imperioli, who obviously plays Christopher. Pretty amazing. It's a It's a cool combination of of kind of people working at that level because Michael Imperioli and Steve Buscemi are like not the classic Sopranos writers and directors. And some of the episodes that they're involved with have a slightly different flair for me at least. And so having them together is, is cool. And I like the way that it all comes together in this episode. So when Tony's walking into Globe Motors, there's this kind of fading back of the camera on Tony as he enters so we're kind of like continually getting further away as he comes in and is looking around. As he meets with a salesman, it's really interesting the way they kind of block the scene. So yeah, the salesman you kind of like, like
1: half ahead for a lot of it.
0: Well, the salesman actually kind of like confronts Tony. He actually like pushes into his space. He kind yeah. of comes up. So there's this kind of pull and then push back. Yeah. So we're kind of falling back from Tony and then pushing in on him. And there's an interesting way that that actor who plays, the Mercedes salesman. salesman number one. Yeah. He plays the scene and would have been directed to play the scene because there is something kind of confrontational about it. And the way he states some of his lines, at well, least yeah, my the, interpretation. The way the
1: whole thing is exposed, yeah.
0: Saying she was unlucky with men. There's something about, for me at least, there's a way that he's almost challenging Tony. There's this kind of like break of logic or you know, of the kind of like rules of what would actually be happening in realism where right. this character is actually almost like challenging Tony Soprano and knowing that he is responsible. Mm, mm. That, that was how I interpreted it this time. He's pushing into him and the way he talks about everything is just kind of very confrontational. Mm. Which was just interesting to the feeling of space that they would kind of like be pulling back and then like imposing on the space that Tony is around him, which is a very rare thing. People mm. don't typically do that, which is why it stood out for me in particular. Interesting. People don't typically challenge Tony Soprano. And even though it is kind of a normal conversation and he's just saying what happened, there is this other element to it that I found really interesting. So anyway, I really loved that. I thought that was super interesting and I thought it was great. There was also kind of a link with the dreams and the Prozac to Isabella in the first season to me. This, another episode where Tony is very depressed. Yeah. And kind of comparing his lethargy... At that point to his feelings of trying to make other people happy in this one. Yeah. So how does Tony deal with depression? And there is this kind of. we often
1: see him in these scenes like looking in the mirror and taking Prozac. We've seen that before.
0: Yeah. Totally. It's, yeah, it's kind of becoming a bit of a symbol. But there, for me, in particular to that episode, there was like a strong link. Yep. Of like the whole episode being structured around Tony as a depressed person. Yep. Because we haven't had that that much.
1: Well, and the dream that he has of Gloria is really nice. Like, they're, like,
0: kissing and they're... (laughs) Other than the, like, scarf holding her head on and her asking, do you want to see... This or this? Yeah, this or this. No,
1: but, like, you know, like, they're, like, he's having, like, warm thoughts of her, right? Like, he's not... I don't know. And kind of like he had in Isabella. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but... Yeah. No, I understand. And then the ceiling crumbles and it's bad.
0: Then the ceiling crumbles and he chooses to see her broken neck and It's beautiful. Yeah,
1: she's wearing that really long scarf. Yeah. It's creepy. <laughs> it's
0: beautiful. Yeah. Um, otherwise some small some Yeah, I had a
1: favorite line of the episode. What was your favorite line? I like when AJ's in the car with his friends and they're trying to go to the Bing, Yeah, which is on Highway 17.
0: I don't know. It's by Lodi Lodi or something. In Lodi.
1: (laughs) But they didn't make it there. They went to the pork store instead. And so I love the line where they say like, oh, this is the pork store. And one of the friends goes, oh, it's a gay strip club. (laughs) 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 Which I think the pork store would be a great name for a gay strip club.
0: The Pork Store.
1: The Pork Store. If any of you guys are investors,
0: we have a great idea. We should have named our (laughs)
1: podcast The Pork Store.
0: Maybe we can from now on. Mm. Well, keep your eyes open for our rebranding. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just, yeah, I don't know. I just had some really small things like... Another example, you know, Tony, when he's talking to Janice is another situation where he just wants reassurance. Like when Janice has stories of her own, even when Tony specifically asks her, about, did you ever know anyone who committed suicide? Right. James Gandolfini is an actor. If you like watch his eyes, they're just like glazing over as soon as Janice says anything. Yeah. The only thing that he can really engage with is when Janice is talking to him about him yeah. and his feelings.
1: Yeah, Totally.
0: He's just completely incapable of taking in anything that Janice is talking about, and he just doesn't care. Yeah. So it's another example of, you know, it's another place where he said, am I a toxic person? He just wants her to say, you're a great guy. Yeah. And to an extent, she does. She says, you know, even though we fight sometimes, you come through when it counts. Right. And Tony's happy. Right. So it's just another example of him searching for that in this episode. Yeah.
1: The other thing for me, like, and it happened last episode, and, like, I kind of forgot about this part of the storyline, really. Yeah. But, like, Chris keeps mentioning it, like, Tony did something really big for him, mm-hmm. right? How, like, Tony gave him the name of...
0: Barry Hayden.
1: Ostensibly the guy who right. killed his dad.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so I, f- I feel like that's an interesting one as, like, Chris's kind of, like, motivation to keep doing what Tony... wants him to and stuff like that like he he, anyways i forgot that it kind of like came up again and again like oh because tony does something big for me
0: yeah which is interesting and manipulative of tony because we never even really had closure on if that is the right guy
1: no and so again it's kind of like tony's a great guy
0: such a great guy yeah um only other thing i have is uh Cigarettes versus cigars. Ending the last episode on a cigar. Tony with a cigar. Yeah, and then he takes
1: Chris's cigarettes out of his pocket and smokes them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And there's something... There is a feeling of being out of control when we see Christopher, I mean, at least for us as the audience, and knowing all the facts that Chris is high on heroin, came here and Tony is, you know, trying to pass off the whole business empire. That's a very precarious situation. Yeah. And when he grabs his cigarettes, like his instability and smokes them... For me it is this kind of like loss of control.
1: Yeah. Because totally.
0: typically I feel like the cigarettes people smoke cigarettes at times where they are not fully in control. Yeah. Like Artie. When he goes to meet Jean Filippo back, he's smoking a cigarette yeah. the entire time.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So yeah, another use of that symbol.
1: Yeah.
0: I love this episode. I think it's amazing.
1: Cool. I think me Steve Bascemi,
0: Michael Imperioli are awesome.
1: Everybody hurts.
0: Everybody hurts. Yeah.
1: Sometimes.
0: Yeah. (laughs) so if you've been enjoying the podcast get in touch with us we'd love to hear your thoughts you can always rate and review in the iTunes store helps people find the podcast we always appreciate it Mm -hmm. and we'll be back with more Sopranos podcasts we love doing this and we look forward to continuing through season 4 awesome thanks for listening